we felt like what we did there didn't matter. Mm. Uh, I spoke to some of my friends, uh, the people that I served with. Uh, yes, he was. It was disappointing. That's that's what it was. It was disappointing. Yeah. You felt like, what were we even doing there then? Mm. You know? You felt like, yeah, you felt completely useless. Hello. Welcome back to Vardamina and thank you for joining us today. In the virtual studio, I have with me a veteran who served in Afghanistan. He is here to help shape my and hopefully your perspective on the ongoing crisis in Afghanistan. Aside from that, we spoke about Igbo nationalism, cancellation of student loans and the economics of higher education in America. We also explored internationalism. And since we're both supporters of Manchester United, we spoke about the reunion of Cristiano Ronaldo with Manchester United. Relax and enjoy today's podcast. God bless. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Vodami, and thank you all for listening. Now, today we have a special guest in our virtual studio, and his experience will help us understand some of the latest news that has garnered our attention over the past two weeks or so. Without further ado, please, can you introduce yourself, my brother? Yes, hello, everyone. Uh, I am John Benedict Odukwe. Uh, I... I'm a veteran. I, I served in Afghanistan uh, around 2015 to 2016. Um, I am currently working for the Harris County Sheriff's Office here in downtown Houston. And I'm happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Yes, it's, 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 a, it's an honor and it's a privilege for you to even um, accept the invitation. Um, and one, one of the questions I like to ask, um, you know, my friends that I have on here is for us to trace back and go down memory lane. When, when was the mm-hmm. first time or like, how did we meet, if you could remember, like, how did we form um, our friendship? Where did you start from? What was the genesis of it? Yes, the genesis of uh, our friendship was uh, Ugonna. He was the one that brought us together. I, um, uh, I, I met Ugonna in the library in the PCL and... He, we struck up a friendship and he, I think I, I was supposed to hang out in his apartment with him. And then I, I was in his apartment and you you guys were roommates. Um, Immediately, I I knew that, uh, that you were somebody that I can get along with. I knew that there was, that there was something good in you. You were somebody who, you know, who was chilled, who was easygoing, who gave people the benefit of the doubt, who, you know, quite a principled person. I, I, so I, I immediately knew that we were going to be friends. And you also like playing FIFA and Xbox. So it was... I thought you were going to leave that out of it because something happened that night, right? <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to leave that out, but keep going. <laughs> I mean... I'm not leaving anything out because uh, I think that night, I think I beat you in FIFA, to be honest. So uh, this, I, is you, pers- you, you, this is from your perspective, right? Okay, keep going. I'll, I will let this, you speak your truth. You, pro- yeah. you will probably deny this. Okay. But I know that I beat you in FIFA several times, actually. What I know for sure is that Ugonna was the person that we used for practice, for sure. <laughs> but you, there were some times... 
that you beat me and there were some times that I beat you, but on aggregate, I was winning. Wow, I think we'll probably, we'll probably need to call the third party to it, um, which is Ogona. But but no, um, the first time we met that night, yes, um, uh-huh. you know, Ogona has been telling me like about you, I think before then. Um, but he uh-huh. just the first time we met, it was like I've not really met someone our age that was as disciplined and principled as you are. And you know, I don't think that was just the military training itself. I think you already had that in you. So that's I'm like, yeah, you know, I look up to this guy. Like, you know, in the good I was telling, like, when he's doing things, when people are trying to talk to him, he's focused on what he's doing. He has to finish that. So I was like, yeah, I like that. And that's what I think that was one of the other things that really attracted me or drew drew me to you. Apart from that, I normally between FIFA. That's by this by the way. But <laughs> but just that just that like that core discipline that you had and you knew what you wanted to do. You know like what you have to do and all of those. So that really um that really got my attention. So and I'm I'm thankful for this friendship um and um to many more years in Jesus' name. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Yes sir. <laughs> yes, sir. So, um, the one of the first topic I wanted to talk to you about, and of course, there's no there's no better person to talk to about what's currently going on in Afghanistan. And you had firsthand of it. And thank you for your service. Thank you for, um, you know, defending the peace here at home for most of us that are listening here. Um, but I wanted just to start from the beginning. You know, I know we could just start from what's happening right now. But in your own opinion, and this is not a you know, it's not a history class, but why why were American troops in Afghanistan to start with in the 2000s, like early 2000s, I think? Why did we even go there to start with? To be honest with you, uh, the story hasn't been completely straightforward, at least from the way that I saw it. So the understanding was that the Taliban was harboring, uh, was making a safe haven for Al-Qaeda and, their, and other insurgents in Afghanistan. And that the United States and the United States gave them time to turn things over to them, and they didn't, and so America had to invade, right? Mm-hmm. And the, the the for some of you who don't know, the Taliban was, uh, you know, pretty much an insurgent group. They were students from uh, uh, Islamic schools all over Afghanistan who sort of rose up and fought the Soviet Union uh, during the Cold War. And after the Mujahideen uh, band of fighters, they had a lot of uh, infighting amongst them. The Taliban sort of rose as the, the stronger force and took over Afghanistan and ruled with a, a, almost a puritanical uh, uh, strain of Islam. Mm. They were, you know, they restricted the roles of women, <clears throat> to the home and house duties. They were very, they punished uh, what they saw as a, a immoral and disobedient uh, uh, behavior. So, and pretty much they had a very harsh uh, uh, definition and interpretation of Islam. So, so then America invaded, took over defeated the Taliban and well, in 2015, all combat operations had been stopped. We were there as a, uh, in assistive capacity. So even when, uh, for example, even when we were on a patrol 
and uh, we would see something suspicious. It was the Afghan locals. It was the Afghan uh, uh, military that would go in there to, to, to investigate and we would just stay back and pull rear security. Now, if somebody started shooting at us, obviously we would go in there and, and, and deal with the situation. Right. But there, yeah, we were there in, a, in an assistive capacity. So America defeated the Taliban and got into the deal of trying to rebuild the nation or at least equip the a, a there to take control of things so that things will not fall back by themselves. Yeah. So okay. to take care to, to yeah for the for the Afghan uh, government, the Afghan government that America helped prop up to be able to take care of things themselves and defend them themselves against the Taliban. Now, what was really surprising and very confusing was in 2020, I guess, uh, America realized, to be honest with you, deep down, when I was over there, it was common knowledge that they were not ready yet. Even in 2015? For, as, as even in 2015. 2015 okay. In 2015, that they were not ready for 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 this uh, withdrawal of American troops, right? But what happened in 2020? I guess there was, you know, uh, the feeling that America has been there too long that we need to pull out, right? Right. So Trump struck a deal with the same Taliban that we've been fighting all this while, you know. So it was just completely confusing to a lot of uh, people. Right. Uh, but it, I think that came from that feeling that we need to get out of here and we, we've done enough. Right. Yeah. Yes. And, and I would like us I would let I would like us to get to that part um, just just as we move on, because I think that's very important, too. There's a very important point to 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 to, to talk about. But when one of when you were talking, right, you, you mentioned Taliban and Al Qaeda. So so mm-hmm. Taliban and Al Qaeda, they're totally different organizations. Could you elaborate on that? Yes, yes. Uh, the Taliban, where uh, they are a, a homegrown uh, terrorist group. Uh, they are not even a ter- they're an insurgent group. You know, okay. they okay. are an insurgent group in Afghanistan that took control of the country after the, the Soviet Union left. Okay. Much, okay. Right? Yeah. Whereas the Al Qaeda was uh, uh, the group of terrorists that. Uh, had a more, I think they had a more global ambition. They were the ones that attacked the, the United States. United States. But, uh, uh, yeah. So, but, but was the Taliban welcoming to Al Qaeda? Was that why we're like, okay, you know, these people, you know, 9 11 happened because of Al Qaeda, and now mm-hmm. Al Qaeda is in Afghanistan. So, was the Taliban, was Afghanistan a, a conducive environment for Al Qaeda to? Um, to 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 to, to carry drive. operations, yeah. So it was that why we went there, or were we looking at the Taliban as okay? You people are a threat to the peace of the of our people in America, which is I don't know how many miles away. Well, that was the story that we were told, right? Right. That right. they were giving safe haven to Al Qaeda, right? And they were they were you know it was a matter of national security, yes, to go there. And 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 defeat them, yes. and take control of things, and maybe so that even happen again, yes. And naively, maybe even install a democracy in Afghanistan, right? Mm-hmm. That was the story that we were told. Yeah. So, is uh, 
yeah, it seemed like if that was the goal that America achieved that a long time ago to take care of, to take, to remove the Taliban and make sure that it's no longer a breeding ground for terrorists. I think that, that check mark, we got that a while ago, right? Now, the big issue was if America pulls out and there's not a stable government in Afghanistan, that things will return back to square one. And what was square one? Is, is square one that um, our own democracy to our own people to are also now open to terrorist attack coming from the ta- from Afghanistan? It, it, would, would that be the square one? Yes, that there would things will return back to Taliban, providing uh, a, a safe haven for terrorist groups that will eventually make it into the United States homeland. Yes, that was the understanding. Hmm. So. But, but, but what, what was in, incredibly fascinating was how America just changed his, uh, uh, the view from let's install a stable government that will help uh, fight the Taliban to, you know, let's just strike a deal with them, whatever happens, you know, let's get out of there while we can and strike a deal with the Taliban establish some sort of power share, which will never happen, you know, power sharing between the Taliban and the, 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 and the Afghan government, government. and the Afghan government, which just wasn't going to happen, you know? So it was, it was just a lot of uh, incoherent and inconsistent uh, 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 foreign policy stance that just, you know, was frustrating to a lot of soldiers because a lot of servicemen felt like their sacrifice their time, everything they spent was completely futile and in vain. That, you know, because, I mean, it was just so sad because I was, I was reading some of this stuff in New York Times and I was seeing the pictures that they posted, some of the places that we used to patrol, mm-hmm. you know, uh, completely taken over by the Taliban. And, yeah, and it just, it just goes to show that, and I've said this before, uh, 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 I was talking to a, a couple of uh, uh, my friends yesterday. I was telling them that things, organizations, governments, things that are organically sprout out of the country in and of itself will always hold stronger to things that were imposed by a foreign body. The Taliban is not that surprising that they took things over, right? Mm. Yes. Because they were they they were a homegrown system. They they came out of the rugged life of Afghanistan. Right. They have right? a culture to it. They, they have more exactly to it. Yeah. exactly. Yeah. America coming over and trying to impose this system. That's a little funny. Just it, it, it just the fighters didn't fight. It was just like honestly, it just reminded me of uh, World War Two with uh, the Nazi and the French military, right? The, the Taliban, the, the, the Afghan government, they had more weapons. They had more uh, uh, personnel. They had more wherewithal. And the motivation was not there. The spirit was not there. They, everything just folded, you know? Right. The way they were taking this city so fast, they took Herat, they took Jalalabad, they took Masari Sharif, they took, uh, you know, and just completely circled Kabul and gradually squeezed it in. It was just, it just reminded me of the Nazis taking over uh, France when the French military had superior firepower, superior personnel, and was the most sophisticated military in Europe at the time. The Nazis just swooped in and 
stunningly defeated the French against all odds because their leadership was not organized. This, the motivation and morale was not there. And, you know, yeah, that's that's pretty much what happened. That homegrown system, system. that is more motivated right. will always take over any foreign imposed uh, 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 mode, any foreign imposed government pretty much. Right. So th- th- there was a quote from um, from Slate. It's a podcast I also listen to. And, and the interviewer, he writes the war crime stories for them. And I know he's reported in uh-huh. Afghanistan for them. And he said, he said, it's just the systems that are like, that are like here. This, this, this would be, this would be good. There's no history, right, to what we're trying to impose on them. This is me paraphrasing. Uh-huh. There's no unifying uh-huh. cost. There's no unifying culture. But here, this will work. Whereas the Taliban is fighting for a recognizable culture. You know, because because yeah. w- what you said earlier on was pre pre um, America occupying Afghanistan, right? It was this Islamic rule, Islamic state, right? That was mm-hmm. the culture that was in place, and then we came. America is speaking to say we came there, mm-hmm. tried to impose this, and then we're leaving. And but I wanted I wanted to get to that later. You know, to how it was just it just on it just I think that's one of the things that that grouped our attention, right? Like how quickly all of this just like we, was just just came crushing down. We saw the the, yeah. the the Afghan got like just leaving, literally just leaving exactly. um, the place. Yeah, leaving their post. Yeah, leaving. Yeah, just like not. And, and you know, I, I know the number was about like um, three hundred thousand soldiers, right? And, and and of course, and and I think the Taliban was like seventy five thousand people. Like yeah, seventy five thousand people. Right. So so it's like it, it doesn't make sense, right? Like three hundred thousand, even though seventy five thousand, we kill hundred thousand of you. You still have two hundred thousand, yeah. right? Like it, yeah. should, it shouldn't have been that easy. But I wanted to get to something yeah. before we before we go to that number and the capitulation of the Afghan soldiers. So I know you mentioned about like the deal that Trump struck with the Taliban, right? But for mm-hmm. me, how I looked at it was that the 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 Vox Populi in America was that let's get out of there. We've been there too mm-hmm. long. And if there was, if there mm-hmm. was a poll taken, I didn't I didn't look that up. But most Americans mm-hmm. felt like we've been there too much. We're spending money there. You know, money's, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know what the budget was for um, just Afghanistan itself. And, you know, some people said it's expensive. Some people said it's not expensive. You know, reality, that's kind of reality to what we're looking at it, to, um, mm-hmm. what, we're, what, what we're comparing it to. But it seemed mm-hmm. like we've been there, you know. So, and th- th- this is, you know, bipartisan right because trump started it and you know biden kind of continued with it so what's your take on it of this that okay you felt like oh we're not ready to leave yet but people back here you know of course they they recognize the the sacrifices of 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 our armed forces of our soldiers and everybody but like hey let's pull out there let's pull out of there we're spending too much money what do you say to that yes uh well is it's easy to say, let's pull out, let's get out of there while we can. But when you leave a vacuum like that, it's just, first, we have, I felt like we have a responsibility because we, in a way, destabilized the system, right? The, 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 the cautious thing to do would have been to really think through whether we should have invaded Afghanistan in the first place, whether there was another way to achieve our goal without physically invading and toppling a system, 
Right. So do that you, was do already you, in place. Do, do you think that was an emotional response to it? Because you know, America was hurting at the time. We wanted something, or they they wanted, we wanted something. We not that, what, exactly. We wanted somebody to pay, and we wanted yes. to get something done. Yes. So we did what we did, you right. know. And but now we're in the middle of it. We've destabilized the system, and we feel like we've spent enough time. It's time for us to get out. No, I think that there were certainly ways to smartly, you know, decrease, you know, incre incremental uh, 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 measures to decrease our assistance and gradually pull out. But this stunning withdrawal all of a sudden, because I know even in 2015, at, at, in 2015, when I went there, we've been there for at least, at least, let's say, 13, uh, 13 years. Yeah, yes. Yeah, we've been there at least 13 years. And I saw how things were, right? So you cannot tell me that in the last six years that they were completely ready to take over. No. Mm. No. So, all right, JB, I think what, that what, what, what were some things that you saw that, that made you think that these guys are not like this, like this, this, they're not ready for this. They're not ready for us to pull out. Because, JB, me looking at it like, Biden had people advising him, right? Was it that he did not mm -hmm. listen to those people, or did he overestimate? Because he, 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 he Biden, he at one point said that they have the best, you know, soldiers or something or army. Like, and people thought that was an exaggeration, right? But like he said that, so he he must have actually felt like these people are ready, you know. So if you come, if you even if I'm going off of that. Like oh okay my my intelligence have reported to me that these people are ready like their 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 army is probably one of the best in that region so I you know okay all right the the smart thing to do because I don't support this war we know during during the Obama Biden era Biden was part of the people telling Obama you know let's decrease the troops so we know where he stood on that right so it's like, okay uh -huh. my my intelligence have told me these people have soldiers we've trained them a lot you know all of these things they're fine okay all right let's pull out so was it misinformed um was the intelligence wrong on this or was he not listening to the right people because you said you were there and you see it and you're like no they're not ready yeah yeah it was uh it was it was a general feeling when you are in uh in patrols you you, I mean, it's just, I, I, not to, uh, I, I don't want to disparage anybody or anything, but it, it was just, if in, even in tactics, even in uh, uh, in training, in, you just get the feeling that if a more motivated force were to be here, that they would need more assistance mm. than, than, than what, you know, than what they have right now that there's still ways there's still a long way to go you know because mm. i mean sometimes you know you're on patrol and you're trying to maintain a tactical uh, uh, posture and you know you have somebody who is at the rear flank you know not you know, maintaining, doing things with the same amount of uh, discipline or, 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 or tactics is just, you get, just get the feeling that huh, there's still a, a long way to go. Long you know? way to go. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah. But I, I, I don't know. I don't know about what the type of information that Joseph Biden was getting. Mm -hmm. But 
even the I mean, it couldn't have been because the generals there were telling even they were advising Trump and they were also sending information from the field telling him these people are not ready. Right. So I don't know. I, I think yeah. he just the generals were giving him situation report on ground and the, right. the general consensus back then was that they are not ready that this thing is, is going to take a bit longer. It's not going to be neat, clean, cut off, let's go, like they want it to be. No. That is going to take it. America has to be a little bit patient, right? Right. So I, I think they, they heard that and disregarded that and decided to pull out because the cost, it was because of the cost. I think that was what happened. So it's mm-hmm. not that he, he got the wrong information. I think he got the right information and chose not to listen to it. Right, but, but that 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 would be on that that would be dishonest of him, right? For him to now say, okay, because I also heard the report that there were some generals that were saying we're not we're not ready to pull out, you know, just for yeah, the, we're not ready. But then for him to now come at the press conference to tell the American people that you know these again, like they have with the soldiers are one of the best in the region, and for us to now see what like the the capitulation of those soldiers and how it was so easy, like without a fight, right, for them yeah. to just break up i'm like yeah something is not adding up here something is not adding up here of course you know uh, some people also said this maybe why biden followed through was he didn't want to cause any scuffle with the taliban right because donald yeah. J. trump already had a deal with them um mm-hmm. and so he wanted to honor that deal um with them well, what do you think about it or do you think that biden's uh predisposition is just to get out of afghanistan or was it because it was tr- it was trying to keep up americans america's word to um to to the Taliban, even though it's a different administration. I think they were just America was just tired of the of the of the toll in human in human cost and financial cost, because I mean, uh, for Joseph Biden to just follow Donald Trump's uh, uh, policy to the T in that regard was just, you know, he was just telling, you know, because you cannot say, hey, yeah, they have the best fighting force, and then. You know, hope for a power sharing uh, uh, situation between them and the Taliban. That's the understanding that yeah, the Taliban is gonna come around and 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 really shake things up or potentially even take things over. So that was just not. There was something about it that just wasn't completely honest to the American people. So yeah, that's right. that's my feeling on it. Yeah. So an, another point, another point, and I think I, I did highlight this in, in one of the one of the transcripts that I was reading, that even though the pulling out, right, that the way these these soldiers were being trained, and of course you were there, you know, you already spoke about like you know when you're going on on, on patrol and you know keeping a kind of formation and how they sometimes mm-hmm. get out of the way, um, that mm-hmm. the, the way these soldiers were trained, they were they were trained like American soldiers. And we know the American soldiers, they depend, I don't know, and this is me just talking from the outside, you are on the inside or you were on the inside, that, you know, they depend a lot of intelligence or, or maybe more technology or may, maybe more, um, more, 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 more warfare infrastructure than what they were mm-hmm. left. You know, it's like saying um, we're training on, oh, let's say, you know, of course, we both grew up in, in, um, in Nigeria, right? For me to mm-hmm. come to America, let's say I learned how to play soccer, football that we play here. I learned how to play uh-huh. in America, and we wear cleats. Uh-huh. Right? We, wear, we wear cleats, uh-huh. we wear shin guard, we wear a soccer uh-huh. on top of it. And then now you're not putting me in Nigeria back where I'm from, and now you're telling me to just uh-huh. we play with barefoot. And sorry, sorry that I'm saying this, but we play with barefoot, right? And then now yeah. you to go play with barefoot. I'm like, 
What do I do? I'm not going to be able to play with that. What do you say to that? Do you think that that's the right assessment of it, um, or or that's just totally not not accurate? Well, the the deal was that uh, they were going to they, they were trained in American in you know pretty much trained by Americans, but America was going to pro uh, provide uh, intelligence and other support and whatnot. <sighs> that's no. That there's this feeling it's going to be uh, not to is in a way it's going to feel inferior because you cannot take uh, a system because americans are running logistics americans are running the intelligence right and the, the afghans are there to you know do the the legwork it's just not gonna it's not gonna feel as organic Right, it's not going to as American military because first of all, there's the you know even cultural barriers or or, or or language barriers because you know we also try to you know a lot of a lot of the Americans that are providing this information some of them might not know how to speak Pashtun or or the, the other native tongues or Dari so it's just there's going to be a there's going to be a little bit of a disconnect. You know, the thing is, I don't know. I, I really don't know what should have been done, but I know that whatever should have been done should at least be that, be that should, should have been tailored closer to uh, the way the Afghan people fight, the way they have been, you know, the, the way they're used to fighting and the way that we enable them to completely completely take control of the situation by themselves as quickly as they uh, yeah as quickly as they can by themselves because right this whole thing of, of having america provide logistical uh, intelligence and air support and all that stuff it wasn't uh, it wasn't going to be as effective you know as it is yeah i know yeah. that the guy, the guy went out to say that even american soldiers if they had left them with what they left the afghan soldiers and that they would not have been able to survive as much too. Yeah, I mean, it's just, yeah, it was the whole the whole affair was just a sad, sad thing. Like I said, when when they should have had this uh, moment of reflection was at the beginning, before we even went there and went destabilized there. an already an existing system. Not, right. And right. now that we've already been there, we kind of have an obligation to see things through. So yeah, yeah. So yeah. so you you waking up to reading this news? Like, how did you process that? Especially, of course, you no. Know, most of us were reading this like Kabul, but like you probably, I don't know if you were in Kabul or like you were in some of the you know the places that yeah. you have been oh. in. Like, so how was how was that experience for you? It just felt like we felt like what we did there didn't matter. Mm. Uh, I spoke to some of my friends, uh, the people that I served with. Uh, yes. It was, it was disappointing. That's that's what it was. It was disappointing. Yeah. You felt like, what were we even doing there then? Mm. You know, you felt like, yeah, you felt completely useless. Because there's one thing uh, uh, about a war that you you fight and you're like, you feel like, okay, you're actually getting something done. The people who fought in World War Two, they had that immense you know, feeling of accomplishment. Like, yeah, right. even though the price was too very steep, this, you know, the Nazis were toppled, the, the concentration camps were freed, you know, you got that feeling. But in this one, it was just, 
what were we doing there in the first place? All those mm. 2,000 plus American lives that were lost mm. it seemed to be in vain, you know? So it was it was a feeling of disappointment. And even the evacuation, it was such a botched... Uh, I was I don't, I don't was listening to the one uh, uh, Marine, was it a Lieutenant uh, uh, Colonel, who risked his career to pretty much voice his discontent with the top uh, leaders and military advisors uh, saying that they need to be accountable. They need to be held accountable for what's going on because even the evacuation, from my, from what I understood, most of the evacuation was happening in Hamid Karzai International Airport, which is a, a smaller uh, uh, and less equipped uh, uh, airfield than Bagram. So Bagram is like the, the, the seat of the av- operations in Afghanistan, pretty much. That's the biggest airfield there. Okay. And to hear that America vacated Bagram and decided to move everything to uh, uh, Kabul, which was a smaller airport, and it just didn't make sense. What, if you are going to do the evacuation, shouldn't you be using a bigger airfield with, that is more equipped? I mean, it was just, the whole thing just didn't make sense, you know? So, and, you know, all these, uh, the 13 uh, 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 servicemen, uh, service people that were killed, the whole thing was just a very sad affair. It didn't seem well thought out. It didn't seem well planned out. It, it, it felt it felt very un-American. You know, we, we no, know it America, really did. We we know America to be okay. Plan, dot your eyes, you know, to the T's and cross your yeah, and all of those things. And this is just like what, like I, really, there was no no plan, nothing. Like we just we just went on assumptions. Like with human yeah. lives, like we just assume things. Uh-huh. And, I mean, and leaving the security to to Taliban, you know, some of the service members that were, that were fighting the Taliban now have to work side by side with them and, you know, not secure because the, the attack that happened was actually another group, the ISIS, ISIS-K that attacked. Mm-hmm. So you even get the feeling that even with the Taliban power sharing, uh, uh, whatever, that there's going to be another destabilizing force that's going to come in and possibly disrupt things, you know? So, because this ISIS case is an even more militant and even more uh, uh, horrible uh, strain of insurgents that are there. So it's just the whole thing is a mess. The whole thing is a mess. I think we, we, we are going to return back to square one pretty soon. Yeah, that's my feeling on it. Man, I know just for me, for me, just watching it and, and that image of that um, Air Force craft that was going and people just lining up and climbing onto it. And it's what you just showed me was desperation. Like, hey, I don't care if I die. Like, if, if, if I could make it out, like, I'm good. Like, you know, just looking at that was just like, oh, my God. Like, these people in, in the face of that, they were just like, I don't care what happens to me. I just want to leave. I just want to leave. It's like, I was yeah. just like, what did, What has American done? Like, what is, did we not, like you said, think this through before, even beforehand, of course, hindsight is always twenty twenty, right? Like, you know, yeah. we didn't know what was going to turn out this way. Um, but still, it's just like, who, who is our president listening to or who is giving him advices? Yeah. Um, the, the, the was, just, mm-hmm. No, go ahead. Go ahead, please. Yeah, no, no, you go ahead. You go ahead. It just didn't make sense, you know? It just didn't make sense. If you are going to say, okay, we are pulling out, 
I think they should have sent way more troops than they did to secure everything. To, because part of it is uh, when you use overwhelming force, right? Because part of it is trying to avoid combat. If right. the enemy probably wouldn't attack you if they felt that you have an overwhelming force, if you felt that everything is locked down tight, it sort of dissuades uh, 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 attack. But when right. they feel that you you are there with a skeletal force, mm. it, 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 you know, it gives them uh, uh, that impetus to come and attack you. Right. America, even when America was drawing down, they should have brought more troops in there to aid in the evacuation and securing uh, uh, the, the safe transition of all those embassy people, uh, soldier uh, uh, contractors, and Afghan allies that were helping us. They should have really done that. That's what they should have done. It do, I mean, it doesn't, even in cost, I don't think that that would be uh, that costly to do than the lives that we just lost right now. So I, I don't know. I don't, it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't. Uh, th- th- there was a quote um, by, by Joseph Biden that he said that um, when he saw the unwillingness of the Afghan soldiers from fighting, you know, he said, why should American soldiers want to fight for people that, that, that they could not stand up for themselves and they're not as vested in this war as they are? Well, what do you say to that? Is it that these people are not like, no, I think we, we kind of mentioned some part of it before. Um, but what do you say to that direct quote of Biden that it seems like these Afghan soldiers are not as into it as American soldiers were into it? Uh, that's, that's, it, it was, um, it's not surprising. It's really not surprising. There is a feeling that this is a foreign system being imposed on them. And because some of them even took off their shirts and went off to fight for the Taliban, you know? Yeah, uh, yeah it's not surprising, which sort of begs the question of were they ever going to be ready right. to, take, to, take in, to take things in, uh, over by themselves? Were they, was it ever going to happen? But uh, yeah. Hmm. Is <laughs> I know it's... <laughs> the, the, the whole the whole thing is 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 very it's so complicated. It is because it is. I I think yeah I think that might have uh, uh, that feeling of let's get out of here mm-hmm. probably came from that they are probably never going to be ready anyway. Be ready, right? And, but... and I think and I think that 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 also points to what Biden said that if we let if we leave next year it will still be the same result so do you think there would have been a perfect time because i know you kind of said earlier that maybe there could have been a perfect way to leave but do you think there's a perfect time that america because can i guess first question can can american troops be there for life and we know maybe not right maybe there has to come maybe not no there has to come a point so do you think there was a perfect time or would you rather prefer like a perfect way rather than a perfect time to leave I don't even know if there is a perfect way or mm. but but I don't know. I don't know. I'm not smart enough to to <laughs> to know <laughs> to know how this thing was supposed to go but uh I mean let's see. past uh, post World War 2 uh, America was is still in Germany, America is still in Japan uh even up till today. But I don't know. I guess the Afghan situation was different. Right. Those economies are doing well. Uh, so I guess America wasn't as interested in, in hanging around. But when you go over there and, and start invading and toppling systems, 
you know, you, yeah, you, that's part of the obligation that comes with it. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what America should have done, but, uh, I know that the, what we did was probably not was not the and they, this leads and, and we're kind of moving on from, from Afghan story and you know it's, a, it's, a, it's such a sad story um, just looking yeah. at everything crumbled down and in the life there and also we know that the women and, and like you said earlier like when you open this up of, of how the Taliban how they rule it how they're, they're repressing or oppressed the, the, the women there um, uh-huh. but also one thing, one thing that has always I've always been fascinated by is um, international power intervention, and, and what I mean by that is p- more powerful nations going to so-called smaller nations to help them, and uh-huh. um, and and help you because see me, I have some air quotes that I'm saying to that. Um, I think probably August twenty fourth, you know, there's an article that. The president of Nigeria, Buhari, he said, Africa's fight against terror is the world's fight. And I think what that means without even reading that. I'm sorry, you said what? Say yeah, that so again. He said, Africa's fight against terror is the world's fight. Um, as, as, as smaller nations, and of course, both of us were from Nigeria, right? Um, mm-hmm. When do we start taking things into our own hands instead of waiting for um, the big boys to come help us? And I know the Afghan, so the, the Afghan is totally different from this, right? Because they did not ask for that. You know, that was imposed on them. But for us smaller nations or um, when do we start taking matters into our own hands and, and, and that personal agency on our own part, instead of waiting for, you know, Russia or China to come help us, like what the sentiment that the sentiment that President Buhari has also, you know, spoken about without him even condemning all of these things that are happening in Nigeria and just saying a blanket statement of saying Africa's fight against terror is the world's fight. Well, you, you made a very good point, certainly, that we have a, you know, that we should, that Africa should, you know, that we should, you know, take care of our own business, certainly. But to be honest with you, terrorism in this day and age has a global uh it has a almost uh, it has a global uh, uh reach in a way because in a way what happens in nigeria affects other parts of the world you know now i in, in with that having been said it's not to sort of relax and let america come and or, or big nations come and handle our business with us but certainly if it's you know, getting arms and arming our soldiers better because in some of these situations, the, the terrorists actually have better weaponry. Uh, so if the support should be providing weapons, uh, if possible, even training, uh, uh, well, not tra- if better equipment, uh, weapons, and and maybe even funds to fight these people, because uh, but not but not you know to fold your hands and relax and say okay that America should come over and and. And take and take care of things. No, uh, I mean we saw the 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 was it the underwear bomber? He came from Nigeria, and he's uh, what he did affected the United States, almost affected the uh, affected United States negatively. So terrorism has a global outreach now. It has because of globalization. These people can recruit through social media uh, from other countries, and in a way, it is a global thing now. But that doesn't mean that shouldn't abdicate the government from any 
you know, making a, a, a reasonable response to fight and, and defeat them. That's what I feel. Yes, and, and, and of course, I agree, I agree with that. Um, my only pushback would be uh, if, if this is a president that is also calling it out, right? Just saying, this is wrong, this is wrong, because a lot of people, and this, I don't think this is a conspiracy theory that he's very sympathetic, he's very sympathetic towards, um, you know, the full and hurts man, or you know, mm-hmm, all of, mm-hmm. all of, yeah, so, so if it was someone that was really trying, like, hey guys, I'm trying here. Um, but I can't do this by myself. All right, okay, yeah, okay, let's see what we can do. Of course, like, no no man is an island, you know, might need help sometimes. Uh-huh. But I just look uh-huh. at it that, you know, this, it, it, it just seems like a new wave of imperialism, right? Especially with China. And the uh-huh. funny thing that, that happened, I think I read this a while ago, the, the ECOWAS building, right? The ECOWAS building uh-huh. was constructed by, by the Chinese government. They donated that to, to, um, to Africa, to I think yes, yeah, to, to Western Af- um, to Western part of Africa, right? And of course, uh-huh. they they would put some chips there to hear what they're saying because you're using uh-huh. building. And I know um, Sierra Leone also had a, they had a deal with China that China wanted to build this massive airport, like probably one of the it was going to be one of the biggest one in Africa. And you know they they, uh-huh. they kind of signed off on it, but toward the end uh-huh. of it, they they kind of you know um, um, we drew um, Sierra Leone with the Sierra Leonean uh, Sierra Leone government we do we we do um from that all of this impact that this foreign people foreign countries are having in africa just looks like a new wave of slavery to me to be honest and that's that's my sentiment to it that we need to stand up for ourselves we need to not stand up for ourselves per se like that but we need to be more independent rather than looking that you help us you help us because that's how this sounds like Right, that's how we have leaders here. We we have money here that that our leaders would rather have five houses in America or or ten houses in London, right? And then still uh-huh. looking for help from from IMF, still looking for help from America, still looking for help from from other countries, right? So I'm just looking at the personal agency part of it. Maybe maybe I took it a little overboard with you know t- terrorism because of course and it affects it. It has a global outreach, like you said. But even the local mm-hmm. one, the, the Fulani headsman, you know, killing people in, in, in the country, and you can't even yeah. say anything, and now you're saying, help us. You know, th- that's my own reaction to it when I saw it. Oh, no, I agree. I agree totally with, with that with that one, because uh, <laughs> that is an issue that Nigeria can certainly handle if we, if we really put our minds to it. But, uh, you know, it's just... You're, you're right. There's this feeling that Buhari is not using that same energy that he's using to maybe fight this uh, 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 IPOB or whatever than the one that they're using to pursue the Fulani heads. Maybe it almost feels disingenuous, like he's holding back intentionally uh, with dealing with that issue. But yeah, Nigeria is not as helpless as, as, she, seems, as she seems. But yeah. uh, uh, certainly, if there is any especially with the Boko Haram thing, if there is any uh, foreign uh, supply of weapons uh, and, and, and funds, that will certainly be accepted. But yeah, Nigeria can certainly handle this thing by themselves too, if we put our minds to it. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I know, I, know, I know you briefly mentioned IPOB, and we're going to get to that now. Um, of course, um, for, for my listeners and in those tuning in, um, JB, that's what I call uh, Jim Benedict. We'll call him JB. Um, he's also um, from the Igbo tribe in, in the eastern part of Nigeria. So, JB, what, what, what's your definition of Igbo nationalism? 
Igbo nationalism. Uh, well, I would say that uh, the Igbo people, we have, we felt that Nigeria, in a way, is, in a way, is not habitable completely for the Igbos, and that we need to have our own nation, our own, uh, that for us to progress and and move forward in life we have to have our own nation and start ruling ourselves instead of having uh the nigerian government rule over us that's that's how i would say it that's how i would define it right and and what what, what where do you fall in in saying and i don't want you to seem like oh you're now for evil nationalism but but where's the balance for you there and and what part of it do you subscribe to I honestly, my, the the one that I believe in is that if we can find a way to coexist, if we can find a way to to make things better and still stay in Nigeria, let's do it. Because after the Biafran War and you know the, the current uh, feeling right now. We cannot really have a Biafra anymore in the way that we had it, in the way we tried to have it before, because with the way that Nigeria was divided, the Igbo land is now separate from, uh, the Southeast is now separate from South-South, right? So right. there's the core Igbo land, and there is the, the area, places like Portacot and Rivers and Calabar, yes. which yeah. are now considered South-South, which are not part of Igbo land. And yes. I don't know if it was... If it was intentionally designed that way, yes, uh, by the people who were drafting this region. But right, right now, if the Igbo people decide to pull out, the, those people in the south south are no longer with us. Right. And what's the point of having a Biafra if you're going to be landlocked? Mm. We don't have any access to uh, any port anymore. And for you to have a, a thriving nation, you you gotta have a port, you know, where goods and services can arrive. So. Even the whole fight for Biafra right now doesn't make sense in a geographical sense, in a geographical uh, uh, understanding of it. So I, I think we, 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 the way I see it, let's try and, and, and see if we can get along and, make, know, and make things better. And amicably, yeah. amicably progress, absolutely. Yeah, no, that's, so, that's my own stance of it. Right, right. So what you just mentioned about the uh, the, 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 the the reconstruction of the regions, um, I think was very. Uh, I was reading something while preparing, whilst preparing for this. I think it was during the Yakubu Gowon's time, right? And they, mm -hmm. they it was purposely curved, you know, such a way that the port pockets um, of it of of Nigeria, or the south side and the southeastern, would not be part of the east as much. So it was it was exactly. done intentionally. So yeah, it wasn't it, was. it wasn't it wasn't an accident that was done um intentionally. Yeah. Um I, I I know you were I don't want to say newer generation, but um what does what does um Chukwu make or Juku represent to you personally to you as as an evil boy? And of course you might you might have heard stories, you know, maybe you're not you know, you're not in the thick of it at the time. Maybe your dad, your yeah. grandparents were, but to you personally, from what you've heard, um what, what did he mean to you personally? Or what does this still mean to you personally, even to today? Honestly, I there was always like you said, everything I heard about him, I heard it from somebody else. Right. Uh, he was he was sort of a, a <laughs> I don't know how to. He was sort of a 
he was a figure. He was definitely a figure. The, the, what I heard about him, he's he's a tough, uh, in a way, almost a tough, uh, 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 a, a tough symbol of Igbo stubbornness and Igbo can-do spirit, in a way, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, because uh, even <laughs> the story that we were told of him, of how, how he got his, his wife, you know, he was so he was in a context with another man for a woman, and uh, the other man won and got the got the girl, right? So Ojuku waited for the man and his wife to have a daughter, and then he went after the daughter, and the daughter is who he married right now, Bianca. Really? So, yes. <laughs> so it was <laughs> I know it's messed up. So there's always a, a certain uh, stubbornness, can-do spirit uh, 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 that he represented for, at least from what I heard, that he represented for our people. So mm-hmm. as, as far as I feel about him, I really didn't know that much about him to have any uh, uh, personal thing. It was always something that was passed down to me. So I didn't really... Because, I mean, when I was in Nigeria in 2009, this whole Igbo national, this whole feeling of less, uh, this IPOB and whatnot, it, it, it wasn't that much uh, prominent in our lives. Right, yeah. As it is right now, mm-hmm. you know? It wasn't that much... Uh, there, was, there, was, there was a feeling of discontent that, you know, these people are not treating that way. We are not being treated right in Nigeria. But I don't think he, he got to the level of let's let's break out, let's break out away from Nigeria like it is now. Right, so, right. So that, for that, me, mm-hmm. no, go ahead, please. Yeah, yeah. For for me, Ojuku Ojuku is always, of course, you know, um, he, he might we might be pushing it too far. Like some people might say, maybe he wasn't a Nigerian hero. Um, but for me, it has always been that even as a Yoruba person, that he was someone that wanted the best for his people. And yes. one of the one of the people that my dad has taught me to love because he put his people first um, is um, um, Awolowo, Obafemi Awolowo. He put the Yoruba people first. You know, he gave uh-huh. free education. And, you know, so um, I'm always fascinated about characters like that, like Ojuku uh-huh. and Obafemi Awolowo. People, they just they uh-huh. love their people and they wanted the best for the people. The way they, they might have gone about it might be different because I know um, Obafemi Awolowo went through it in a very political way, very diplomatic uh-huh. way, right? And, you know, someone uh-huh. else might be more, you know, maybe not as politically correct as we might have wanted him to be or you know but i just mm-hmm. i look i look at both of them as people that love each other and 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 so that brings me to the next um um question about a, a gentleman or maybe an older man now uh nam dikanu uh what w- what's your what's your reaction to him and um to his personality or to his person the nam dikanu yes sir hmm. he was a more He's a more obscure figure to me. I, from what I heard about him, he, you know, he, he's starting to stoke that fire again. Uh, he, I don't, he wasn't, I think he started the movement from uh, the UK or somewhere like that. Yeah. So I really, he, I, I guess it's that same feeling of trying to uh, get something done about the situation that we live in. I, uh, 
I don't really know much about him. Honestly, mm-hmm. I tried to read up on I tried to read up on him, and I I, I really don't know that much about Namde Kami. Right, and and and, he, and 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 the 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 reason why I really asked that is, of course, you know, I have uh, you know I have many Igbo friends and you know about the same age as we are, and mm-hmm. uh, the, the 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 temperature I was able to get is that you know they didn't really as much as I guess what I wanted was like, oh yeah, you know, he's fighting for the people. But most of them looked at it as being is a, is, is controversial. I know there was something you said about when it came to America in 2015 that you people like the Americans, the the Igbo in diaspora should send guns and and bullets that we need those right. And you know people thought that was way too out of line. So most of the people of our age of Igbo of Igbo descent, uh, they've been critical of 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 Namdi Kanu. Um, that the the means or the method is using. With you know, IPOP, indigenous people of Biaf- Biafra, that uh-huh. he's not he's not very st- strategic about it. Uh, but on the flip side, also we in the in the West, we have someone like that now. I don't know if you've heard of uh, about him, but yeah, Sunday Boho, and he's also about the Yoruba nationalism. About hey, you know, the Yoruba people are now treated are now being treated fairly, and it seems like yeah. on both on both on both eye uh, for for both cultures. There are people that look at those people as heroes, and the people that uh-huh. look at those people as being separatists, right? Being, being, being just flamethrowers. Being like, okay, yeah. what are we trying to get out of this? So that's why I kind of like to ask that question because for me too, to be honest, I'm not. Um, there's not really a lot to read up on them, to be honest. No, there's not. Yes, yes. So for me, it's like, okay, what are people saying? What's my dad saying to his friends? Or what are people in Nigeria talking about this? People? What are some videos about these people? So it's really hard to form an opinion on them. But the but the but the general thing I've seen people do is they're both people on both sides. People see them as heroes, and some people see them as just detractors. From from what I heard, most of his uh, following seem to be young people, right? You know, I do. And uh, yeah, uh, young people, and in a way, you kind of want to listen to the elders on this one because right. they they were the ones who who saw the devastation of the Biafran War, mm. right? Uh, <laughs> if if like I said, if we are going to have if we are going to have a Biafra, a new Biafra, we have to do it, you know, in a sensible way. We have to make sure that those South South people are with us, right? right? It's not right. just going to, uh, uh, you know, Stoke. Yeah, I did re- read about it that he was talking about uh, uh, send weapons to. Yes, I mean it's just uh, it it doesn't make sense if if. If we are going to start having have that Biafra, we have to do it in a sensible way. And part of the reason why the the, the North uh, refused to, you know, acquiesce to Biafra's uh, uh, claims to national to to separate from Nigeria was because of what's happened. Because of the Yorubas also said if Niger- if Igbos leave, that they are also going to are going to leave. Yeah, and that was like okay, everybody cannot leave. We're going to have to have this this nation. Mm. So I, I, in a way, I feel like if Biafra happens, it would, I wouldn't be surprised if Yoruba people also People to move, start, yeah. Yeah, start their own stuff too. I don't know why that seems to be the, um, the, the, the trajectory that we're going on now to separate. But, um, be, I mean, but do you because blame them? Do you blame them, I, though? I don't. I don't. Right. There it's is hard the, to blame I, them. Because, I mean, is, there is this feeling I don't know if you heard of the the born to rule mentality. This feeling that 
you know, that some people were born to rule over the other people. You know, it's just, it's, it's, not a, it's not a feeling that brings the nation together. It's not something that fosters a common democracy. It's just something that stokes resentment, you know. And, and, and what started the Biafran War was, you know, this, you know, 30,000 Igbos in the North were killed. And up to today, nothing was done about that. There's no national reconciliation. There's no national, uh, 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 you know, under, we haven't really completely as a nation talked about what happened in the Biafran war, what right. went wrong. And this is right. part of what is stoking that resentment because it's like, these things happen to us and you people just seem not to care. You, a federal government that has the, 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 you know, the obligation, the sacred right. obligation to protect its people right. was there when 30,000 people were completely massacred and you didn't do anything, you know? And, this, and you see this, the same trend happening with these Fulani herdsmen, you know, attacking farmers in the middle belt and nothing is being done. So it's like, okay, if the government is not going to protect us, we have it as self-respecting people to protect ourselves. Oh, and part of it is why, you know, trying to separate. So, yeah, we if we need to we need to we need to have that conversation with ourselves really. Because yeah. I Yeah, no, go ahead. Go ahead, sir. Because I I don't think yeah, we Igbos and Alsas, uh we have a, a cultural difference and whatnot, but if you saw at the end of British rule, there was almost like a spark of 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 change, you know, when people were not afraid to migrate to other parts of Nigeria and 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 fulfill their dreams, you know, because some of these are veterans, like uh, what do you call it, Peter Doche. He, some of them, they, they speak Hausa very fluently. They, they grew up in Mzaria. Namdea Zikiwe was born in Zungeru. And, you know, all these are our leaders who were there when at the dawn of Nigeria's uh, birth was there, you know, there was a feeling of hope that we can actually coexist despite our differences. And it did happen for a while. It did happen for a while. I think we can actually get back to that i think it's possible if we have a real conversation and real reconciliations with uh, with ourselves that we can that there's a chance that we can get to that uh, uh, time in a way of when there was hope of when mm. we felt that we, we are one nigeria you know right. i really i really do believe that i hope so too i hope in their hope i hope in their hope um Moving on, I wanted to, I wanted also to talk about student loan forgiveness, right? That has been mm-hmm. part of I think maybe some people that was one of the reasons why they probably voted for Biden. And and for me too, I have student loans, right? I have I have some, not a lot, but I do have some. And and I was I was always for it, like oh yeah, you know, cancel student loan. Uh, before I get into the whole premise that I wanted to give was was your stance on that because we know it's like I don't like it's it's a lot almost I think almost a trillion I don't know what the what what, what the numbers are on that but it's a whole lot of money um but was your take on student loan forgiveness or not to student honestly <laughs> the first thing is that education in America is completely expensive it's ridiculous and just to compare things with what is going on in Britain is somebody a member of the European Union can get an Oxford education, pay uh, is it nine nine thousand pounds, 
for an Oxford or Cambridge education a year, 9,000 pounds. That's approximately the same amount that we paid for, that you pay for UT. Wow. Right? Yeah. Or maybe a, for, for, for a year. Because it's nine, nine grand, for, nine thousand pounds for a year is probably, let's say maybe eleven thousand dollars. Right, right. And that, that's for an Oxford education. So yeah, American, America, I mean, the, the, it's so expensive to get an education here. Ivy League education is like fifty grand. Oh yeah, at least yeah. It's just, it's, yeah, it's just, it's just, it's right, just ridiculous, yeah. right? So, right. Uh, I, I really think that a nation that is this uh, advanced, that is this wealthy. That it should, they should have some education should be subsidized, especially for people who are going to be in the United States, going to be working here and going to be helping to improve the country. It shouldn't be that expensive. You shouldn't feel that you because it's almost like you go to school to get a job in order to make money. But for you to do that, you have to take on massive debt. And some people now nah, some people quite all right rise from having that negative money to build something. But a lot of people are dragged down by it. Not right. everybody can, you know, power forward from loans and, 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 and debt and start building assets and wealth. Because the way things are standing right now, I don't even know why people honestly go to college. It seems like the people who work blue-collar jobs are have, it, have it easier in terms of building wealth because they just go take up a trade and bam, they start making money and they are building from zero to something and not building from negative money to something. You know what I mean? Yes, yes. No, and and I, I like the, the analysis of negative money um, because um, uh, someone was talking to me about like, okay, you know, why, why, should, why should someone go to college? I'm like, okay, yeah, you know, for education. It's like, you can get education anywhere now. Uh, I was like, okay, yeah. what about for the money? He's like, yeah. That his wife, she started working at Walmart, you know, long time ago, and now she's moved up through the ranks, and now she's a she's a she's a store manager or assistant manager, and she's been earning six six figure. I'm like, no way, no way. Like, then I Google that, and yes, it's the range yeah. about hundred and fifty thousand or so. And yeah. he's saying, look at that, and that's without no student loan, no exactly. student loan, nothing, exactly. nothing attached to it. Like that money is actually where she's earning, and I'm like, exactly. man, that makes sense. Um, but my only pushback about that, and the number I was looking for was, uh, it says Americans owe more than $132 billion in, in, to private student lenders. Um, but what I was looking at was, there's always, a, there's always a balance to it, right? I think mm-hmm. that student loan, it's, America has a system that maybe that works, right? Um, maybe that's why the quality of education is what it is. Of course, we know in, in math and science in high school level, it's not really it doesn't really compare it's well globally. Yeah. Yes, it, it doesn't. But it, the, 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 the college lab, you know, the MITs, even the, the University of Texas is of this world. And the way that the, 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 the labs are, of course, I went there. So I know how the labs are mm-hmm. and, and the things that we had access to. Right. All of mm-hmm. those cost money. Yeah. Um, but I think with student loan. Right. There's always a balance. Mm-hmm. To it. OK, let's say student loans are. Or think it, and people understand it. I think there should be more education on it, right? Don't just give people this money because for me, going to UT, right? I, I understood, uh-huh. I understood basically, basically that I don't want to get too much student loan, and uh-huh. and so I tried to the, the apartment I stayed in, which you know, of course, was far away from campus. We were paying yeah. probably like three hundred dollars, yeah. right? But yeah, the same summer, here, yeah. 
Right, but someone else that has student influence, like, oh, this is free money. They might be living at West Campus. Of course, there are people that, didn't, that live in West Campus with their personal money or their parents' money. But there's some people that are like, okay, I could just take student loan for it. I want to be close to campus to have that campus vibe, campus experience, right? And then yeah. at the end of the day, if, if all of us, of course, when all of us graduate, and then now mm-hmm. it's now saying that um, student loan be forgiven. So that does that mean that the sacrifice that some of us made not to be on I campus? know. Right. Like, I know, I know. I get that feeling too. <laughs> right. And, and I, didn't, I didn't have that feeling before, but until I read, you know, uh, the, the, one of the articles I sent to you, until I read that, I'm like, okay, that's one point. The second point is that most of the people in this $132 billion, um, you know, amount that has been estimated, most of the people that have the, the, the largest share of student loans are probably people, are like the engineers, the doctors, of course, the doctors, the lawyers. These people, they're really set up in the future to make, you know, six figures. You know, they're set up. So the money they're supposed to pay back should not really weigh much on them. It should be something they could afford month to month, right? So if the student loan could be made in such a way that people that maybe the job market is looking, maybe not as lucrative as those those majors or those those mm-hmm. pathway, courseway, maybe those ones mm-hmm. could have theirs forgiven. Also, people yeah. that people that have paid their own student loan back, right? You know, there are people that have already paid their student loan back. I have. I've completely paid off my student right. loan. Right. <laughs> so, so for you now, and then all of a sudden, I now, know. You know, you, you probably stayed. You probably sacrificed some things. Maybe you couldn't get the latest Xbox. I know you started using PlayStation yeah. now. You know, you sacrificed <laughs> some things. But all of a sudden now, mine's also forgiven. And then all your stuff, you're not going to be reimbursed. I know. For it, I know. You know. So all I of know. this, all of these things now is making me rethink that. Hmm. Maybe I don't really want student loans to be forgiven. Like maybe, like, but I'm with you on that. On that restructuring from the foundation part of it. Like, okay, what can we do before people? Maybe people coming in now as freshmen. Can we? Should we educate them more? Should we let them? Should we make it free for them to a to a level? I know. I think in this infrastructure, you were saying community colleges will probably be free. Some of us went to community college, so would not you know accure so much loan. You know, all of the sacrifices. Are there, but some people, some of us just, you know, go right into it and just get as much money. Some of us use it as vacation. Um, at the HEB right on Riverside, um, and uh-huh. this is Austin, Texas, for those that are listening. Um, one of the managers in, in the in the um in the in the electronics area was telling me that when when the financial aid disperses, that he knows not that he knows, but like people come here to buy game game consoles with that. You know, they just with the with the money they're supposed to use for books. Um, or for accommodation, they use it on games. So that's my only um, um, pushback now. Looking at student loan, and it's not that I'm not for. I'm not for it. I'm not. I'm of course for it for people to have easier life, but there should be a balance to it to like not just hey forgive all student loans. You know, I think it might be unfair to some people. Absolutely, I, I had I have that sentiment. <laughs> I, I certainly should have because I know. Uh, uh, when I was over there in Afghanistan, I, that was when I was paying, paying it off with my with my paycheck. So, I I have this feeling that if I went through that, you should, other people should you know be able not just to have their stuff forgiven too. But yeah, but but then I mean it has to start somewhere, you know. It has to start, and and I think I think that might be a little bit selfish for us, right? Because you yeah. want the future, you want the future people or people coming behind you to have it easier. You know, just because yeah. we had it this type of way does not mean that other people yeah. should, should have to pay the same way. So I totally yeah. get that feeling. So it's just balancing those like, okay, I don't want people, 
you know, to have the same experience of having out of the paycheck, they're looking like, oh, this is for student loan. Uh, but at the yeah. same time, people that we all grew up together that also took it carelessly, it feels like maybe yeah. you kind of paid in some way for it. But you yeah, know, I, yeah. That, that might be a little bit selfish, but <laughs> no, it's not. It's totally understandable. It's a, it's a totally le- uh, legitimate feeling. Right. Uh, I think, I, honestly, I, I think it should be subsidized in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. Just that, you know, people who do it on merit-based uh, people who, and, and, and depending on the major, you know, especially if you're going into public service or you studied something in the liberal arts, you know that your path is not that clear. You know, you, you can't be, you can't have them saddled with, with, with ridiculous loans. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know how it should work, but uh, certainly the, it, needs fixing. The, the, it needs fixing the, the yeah. way that it's going right now. I mean, I have, I have somebody who, who studied liberal arts and they are trying to get a job and they have over uh, over $20,000 in student loans. I'm like, mm. where, where are you even going to begin? Because any mm. with somebody who studied liberal arts, you have to, there is not a, a set course for you. It's not like sciences where you can get an entry, a high entry level paying job. No, you right. have to work your way up. You know, you have to, start from grunt sometimes they even paid less than uh 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 uh, uh manual workers in, mm. in in some sense so you have to really build your brand and 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 you know grow it and make something out of yourself and with 20,000 loans dragging you down is i mean you are more likely to end up in poverty than you are to end up right. being a success so mm. even, just, even, even with a college education yeah even with a yeah even with a college education so yeah no i, I totally just, agree with you it needs it needs, it needs some 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 reforms on, in in, the, yeah. in in higher education um yeah. i wanted to also talk to you about manchester united um the best thing in, in the family hey! <laughs> <laughs> what was what was what was your i guess to, to start with um what was your total outlook on the team right now especially like the back line with Varane and maguire and one and look sure all right so i haven't been able to catch up with the 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 the, the last game because I, I work at night and I sleep during the day and that's when they play the matches. So I haven't really, but from what I'm, I'm getting, there's a, a new feeling in the team, right. especially uh, with the uh, possible return of one of our greatest uh, uh, players, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo. So um, yeah, I feel the, 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 the form is great. We've won the two matches. We drew one. We haven't yeah. lost any, and you know the play. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm not gonna say that we're. I don't. I'm not gonna start saying anything crazy because uh, I don't want to jinx it. But <laughs> there's a there's there's a, there's a. I mean, you can't deny that there's a new feeling. It can't there be is, spirit. There is there is there is now feeling. that that you know that we can get things done. You know, so yeah. I mean, I I'm really excited for this for this season. Yeah. Uh, Okay, I'm fuck. I, I, ooh, I, I swore, but I'm just gonna go ahead and say that we are going to end up at least number four. Yeah, at table. least number. So, what do you have? What do you at have least in, number what, four. What, what team do you have in front of us? Mm, mm, mm. Liverpool. Uh, okay. 
Liverpool, maybe. Okay, maybe Liverpool. Manchester City, with the way they are going, I, I know they're, I they're looking. I, 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 they are looking very dangerous. Yeah, I'm not. <laughs> Let's see who else. I might put Chelsea. Chelsea, Chelsea, Chelsea. yeah, so three. Chelsea. Three. Yeah, three. Other than that, I really can't. Yeah, I know Tottenham. Tottenham too. Tottenham. Yeah. No, I I, th- I, th- I think we, we we can we can deal with partner. Right. So, so for me for me I, I, I so okay so let, let's let's talk, let's talk about Ronaldo first and then we'll see um about the top four. Um, mm-hmm. what was the reaction when you saw that Ronaldo was coming back? I was completely no, before, before before that before that what was the reaction when you thought it was gonna go to CD when you thought it was gonna go to Man City? I thought it didn't make sense. It's like Messi yeah. playing for Real Madrid. Right. It just didn't make sense. Yeah. Why why would Ronaldo return to the Premier League? And play and for Manchester like it just didn't make sense. So right off the bat, I was like, hmm, there's something off in this. Right. But you know, and and honestly, with those state sponsored uh, uh, teams uh, like uh, uh, Manchester City and uh, PSG, right, they have uh, being funded. Mm-hmm. I, I just there's something about. I don't want to be the guy who is you know complaining, but <laughs> there's something that feels unfair. But, but they they said they play through they play with the with the fair with the FIFA fair play well the financial fair play uh, that they right, right, he just right. he just but like with the PSG right like they got most of the players like on free transfer um except from the Hakimi guy that they signed the defender I think Ramos mm-hmm. came on free transfer Messi was on free transfer so all of those were, were it, it 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 was financially fair but it just doesn't feel that way. It doesn't feel that it way. It doesn't feel that way. I'm, I'm with you. It, feels, it doesn't feel that way. It feels like they're bullying, you know, using their money. Yeah, using the money. You know. Just like, we're not showing, we're showing sports. Yeah, it's not money fight. Yeah. It's soccer. Yeah. It's not. <laughs> and to be honest with you, it's, it's better to get young players with a, you know, it's cheaper and better and to get young players. Right. And sort of discover that talent while he's still young and, and grow it. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I think Tottenham was actually doing a pretty good job of that, right? Right. Or, right. Yeah, and and so other than just going for the big ballers, because I mean, C Ronaldo is C Ronaldo, but C Ronaldo is just thirty six years old. That, that so, so that was my yeah. That's I'm like <sighs> he's thirty six years old. Yeah. I mean, he's on top of his game, but how long is he gonna be on top of his game? Max. Whereas if you years, got somebody yeah. who was young. A fresh young eighteen year old who was, you know, ready to learn, eager, trying to mm-hmm. prove himself. Yeah, he might take we might have a little rocky start in the first two years, but when he takes off, he takes He's off. Gone. He's gone. It's gonna yeah. it's gonna be great. Yeah. And we're gonna get more out of him than we might get out of C Ronaldo. Because right now we're just paying a, a hefty sum for, you know, somebody that is thirty six years old, pretty right. much. But I, I, th- but, uh, I think economically too, might probably make. You know, I think they might be able to re- regain that money back, or because you know the ticket sales will probably go up. It, yeah, um, the merchandise and whatnot. Probably go up. But but what sentiments yeah. did you have? Like someone that I think maybe we both both started supporting Manchester United. You know, at the time that Ronaldo was, you know, at his peak. So what what emotion did you have when when finally it's like okay, she's on the right side of Manchester. My brother, I woke up from bed and I saw that in the news. I, I screamed. I screamed. I was like, yes, yes, yes. Because, I mean, 
when Ronaldo played for Manchester United was exactly when I was in secondary school from 2003 right. to 2009. Yeah. So there was a almost a rush of emotion, a, a sort of a, 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 a yeah, a, a rush of emotion, a remembrance, a going back to those days. No stadium, when, yeah. <laughs> yeah, when those happy days when you right. would see Ronaldo completely, you know, destroying the opponents and you know, uh, uh, playing Turning for them. So it's yeah, yeah. It, it was it, it was it's a great feeling to see him wearing red again. That's for sure. And uh, I mean, it just it just makes things more exciting. That's for sure. Yeah, makes, I'm, uh-uh. I'm excited to see him play too. Of course, it's afterward. I was like, oh. But he's 36. How are we going to use him? But at the first, at first, we're just like, we have Ronaldo back. Like, we that have, was yeah. his emotion. Um, yeah, yeah. Came up, yeah. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that, that was very, that was interesting. Um, also, so now I like to always play a type of game with my, with my, um, with, with, with my friends on here. Um, mm-hmm. So I would just ask you questions and you would just answer and then we just go from there. Okay. So the okay, first sure. one is who was your childhood actor or actress crush? Let's say actress. Who was your childhood actress crush? Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. For Nigerian movies it was Genevieve. For American movies it was Jessica Alba. Hmm. Okay, I see your taste, brother. Um okay, so, so <laughs> who, who, who is your, who, who was or is your literary literary um crush because i remember when i told you that this lady was married and she had kids your heart was broken for like two minutes yeah chimamanda chimamanda (laughs) yeah yeah Uh, yeah i had a crush on her the literary i love the way she writes now i don't always agree with with what she says some of her her views are, are not in line with my views but i think she is definitely a, a a literary genius, in my mm-hmm. opinion. She yeah. she has a way with words. Mm-hmm. She writes very clearly, and as someone who is also uh, uh, you know looking to write, she's definitely an inspiration. That's for sure. Yeah, I'm glad uh, to hear that. Yeah. So, yeah. So yeah. So uh, but, well, I'm definitely gonna have you back on the on on the podcast, of course. Um, but one thing that we did not get to today because of time was also mm-hmm. I wanted to talk about feminism as coming from from an evil culture as as an evil mm-hmm. male. I think that's a very that's like feminism is a very interesting topic for me that I like to talk to people about. And so okay. uh, just just know just keep that at the bank for me because uh, both of us are gonna hash that out on the podcast. Um, does oh, your definitely. current car does your current car have a name? And if it does, what is what is it? My current car? Yeah. <laughs> no, it, no, no, it doesn't have a name. It, it okay. doesn't have a name. My former yeah. one had a name though. I called it Tina. Tina from Medina. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think well, this this one doesn't have a name. Why? You have to give it a name I too. No, I have to now. Now that you reminded now me, that of, I'm, I'm going, yeah, I'm going so to have to give it a name. Yeah, okay, okay. Tina from yeah, Medina. My, that's right. My, my my car, my because this is my second car. Is then is Bobby Charlton too. The first one was Bobby ah Charlton the one. Manchester United legend. Yes, yeah. Bobby Charlton. Yeah. Okay, yeah. that's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, as a child, what did you want to be when you grew up? Ah, that changed. That varied so many times. Yeah. At some point, I wanted to be a Catholic priest. Oh, yeah, the Reverend I was Father? Act- like, yeah, yeah. Okay. The Reverend Father. I was actually having a... I will, <laughs> when I was a kid, I would have the cups. We have a, the, the wine glasses that look like a chalice. Uh-huh. And I would bring a piece of uh, 
digestive like biscuits, yeah, okay. like a wafer, and, and I'll be trying to do the Holy Communion. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be trying wow. to do the Holy Communion. So uh, at, at some point, that one faded away. Did your mom uh, mind? No, she didn't mind. Right, she because mind. The, the, the same with my brother-in-law is because my, 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 my wife's family, they're Catholics too. And she, mm-hmm. she said she didn't mind if, if both of her sons decided to be, if all her kids for them, like if both of the sons decided to be Reverend Father and, and if my wife or Moses decided to be, you know, just, just a Reverend Sister too, like she didn't mind. And I'm like, I think that that's a common thing I've seen with, you know, Catholic mothers, like they didn't mind if their son yeah, went don't. or their daughters went that path. Mm. My, wow. my mother actually, uh, she said that when she was uh, pregnant for me, that she, because she really struggled with, uh, with pregnancy, mm-hmm. she said that if she has a son, just like uh, Hannah in the Bible, yes. uh, uh, gift Samuel up Samuel, to, yeah. uh, to God, that she was willing to give me up for, for, for religious and uh, clerical wow. service. Wow. So yeah, so she she she. she if I said that I wanted to be a priest, she would be completely okay with it. Wow. Okay with not having grandchildren and all that wow. stuff. Wow. Mm. So, but wow. no, that wasn't the that wasn't the plan <laughs> for me. Yeah, so that changed. <laughs> <laughs> that changed. Uh, at some point, I wanted to be a a, a lawyer, mm-hmm. and that one was the one that I had for the longest time, and perhaps I still do have that at the back of my mind. Yeah, at some point, because. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I was in Nigeria, I certainly would have, would have been a lawyer. I would have gone for that. But uh, in America, you know, things were a little bit, the situation was a little <laughs> bit different. Yeah. But even, but somewhere in between being a lawyer, I, I, I went for pharmacy. Then quickly changed my mind. So, <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah, those are the things that I wanted to be when I grew up. Yeah. Have you ever met your idol or someone you revered greatly? No, I no. haven't met any of them. No, I can't say that I have. I can't say that I have. I haven't been that lucky, no. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think I, I have to, like, to meet them one on one. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, sir. JV, this has been this has been fun. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, I was really uh, enlightening by, by our conversations. And thank you so much. And um, mm-hmm. I will talk to you soon. Well, thank you for having me. Appreciate it.